Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 5. It's on the YouVersion app. We're going to read the whole chapter. So uh, whether it's on YouVersion or the Oasis Easton app or your Bible in front of you or the Bible that you brought, you should be able to follow along with us as we do it. Before, before we go there, and gosh, is, he's coming back in a minute, isn't he? Oh, crap. <laughs> well, you can tell him. I just want to wait for Ryan to come back, maybe. Maybe he'll come back quickly. Probably not. Now, there's Donna. You're not the one. You're not the droid we were looking for. Yeah, we want to see you jump rope, Donna. <laughs> Let's just read the scripture, and maybe I'll go back to it. We're going to read the whole chapter, so just uh, follow along with me as I read. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and, and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with, my Jesus, with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had, who had had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him. And he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with, the, and he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years. And who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. 
She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I even touch his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John and the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Brian, um, on behalf of the church, thank you for last week, brother, and Patty and your whole family for sharing a very intimate time of loss and suffering and that our hope is in the mercy of God. Um, that will be, I mean, I can probably preach a sermon 12 times and people in the church will remember what you said last week. So thank you all so much. Can you give them a hand, please? If you were not here, um, I encourage you on the Oasis app or even on the website, you can listen to that sermon slash testimony. And I assure you, uh, it is worth listening to. I mean, even if you check out on me right now, <laughs> no, don't listen to it right now, but uh, just turn to it, download it, get it ready, set a reminder, you need to listen to what was said last week. Um, and the whole church, I don't think there was a dry eye, we need to do a budget line item for uh, tissues, because I think we wiped through all the ones that we had. Thank you so much for that, <laughs> Ryan. I love you, brother. Uh, so uh, we've got our Bibles open. So what I intend to do this morning... is I want to propose to you this statement. In all the miracles of Mark 5, physical healing is a parable of spiritual deliverance. This is what I want to teach today. This is what I want to try to prove to you, that, spiritual, uh, that physical healing is a parable of spiritual deliverance in this chapter. So we just read the whole chapter. We know there's three main sections coming up of it. The first verse I want to look at is Mark 5, 19, which is really the focus of where Ryan was last week. 
So the, the man who was chained in a tomb area, who cut himself, who was strong enough to get out of chains, who was filled and called legion, had demonic spirits all over. This man, when he came, Jesus healed him, freed him from all of that past. The, the, the uh, legion was cast out into the pigs. The people were all amazed. And this is what Jesus said to him. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. This man had it right. He wanted to follow Jesus, but Jesus and, and following Jesus was looked different for him than he thought. His idea is like, I never want to leave this man. I really respect that. But Jesus said, go out and tell everyone, your friends, what the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. I think this is a great lesson for us. Have we realized how much has been done for us? As Christians, if you're here and you're not a Christian, that's cool. We welcome you. But if you're a believer this morning, has it had such an effect on you, the salvation experience that we were once chained to, our, to death? You know, who can separate us from this body of death? And you might remember that verse in Romans where it talks about the person who was guilty of killing someone or a, a bad crime. The victim, dead body was strapped onto their back. And, and chained up so that as the dead corpse began to ooze out, it began to kill the live body, and it began to kill the person who was alive. That was a Roman form of torture. Who can separate from, uh, this from this body of death? Who can separate this man full of legion and chains and cutting? Jesus Christ is the answer. And you have to remember that in these parables, we have to see Jesus as the answer. He is the key to the parable. Mark 5.23, and he, we see the next part of the story. Jairus came up. Jairus was head of a synagogue. Doesn't mean that he was a Pharisee. It was someone that was very respected in a town that was, would head up the local synagogue and would give some of the teaching and everything. He came, and in verse 23 it says, he implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death, come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and alive. So the first part, first part we see uh, like a demon-possessed man chained in a tomb area, in a graveyard, if you would, who was freed from the Lord. Now we're beginning to see the next part of the story where a little girl who, whose father headed up the synagogue was dying and he came up to her to lay hands on her. And it's important also to notice that in the Old Testament, laying on of hands really wasn't a healing focus. A lot of people used it in other, um, in, in other ways. It wasn't a normal form of healing. Now, we see that in Acts, we saw that that grew in the Christian church. The laying on of hands became a very important thing. But he came and he implored Jesus, said, his daughter is dying. Can you please save her? And we know that he, he did. He decided to begin the journey to the house. Mark 5, 28. We see that he ran on a journey to this woman who had an issue of blood. She had gone to the physicians. She had gone to 
Uh, anything that she could do. She had changed all her eating habits, I'm assuming. She had done all that she could do, and she was dying. She was coming to an end of herself. And she had, Jesus was coming around, and if you had an issue of blood where, that you were considered unclean, and this is what she did, probably out of fear and trepidation, she snuck up on Jesus and just believed, even if she touched his garment, that she would be healed. She knew she was unclean and that was an issue, so she, she just reached up and snuck up on Jesus. You ever snuck up on him before? You didn't really want him to know you're there, but, you know, sort of, sort of like a little kid does. You know, they come up on mom and dad or grandma and they sneak up on you. But in this case, she was probably fearful, but her condition overrided her fear. I got to imagine there's people in this room that sometimes the, the fear that you have of the things in your life, the struggles that you have, at times they overcome your faith as opposed to your faith overcoming your fear. This lady, bless her heart, she was at an end. And she reached out and she grabbed hold. And in in verse 28 it says, For he said, if I touch even his garments, is what she said, I will be made well. She had a disease. She had it for 12 years. So she had a a deterioration of her disease. It was getting worse. But she was determined. And then she was delivered. And everyone looked. If you go back to the Bible verse, or to the Bible, that is, um, it said immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. That's verse 29. Verse 30, and Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Now, this is a bit of an aside, but I want us to understand some people have a hard time with that statement. They say, if Jesus was God, how could he not know who touched his garment? Is he just speaking sort of, uh, there's a word for it. Um, is he off to the side speaking a bit or just being a, a sort of leading up to it? No, he was 100% God and 100% man. In the things that are human, he was 100% human. So he felt the touch humanly. That was the side of 100% man. In his spirit, he felt everything. When, when the healing took place, his spirit knew what had happened, but in the body, he didn't know what happened. So it's a little bit confusing, but you have to reconcile the 100% man, 100% God. This thing happened. He knew it, and he turned around and said, who did it? And then she finally came up to him, and she pled, and just like, I did it. I did it. I'm, you know, it's like I was unclean, but now I'm clean. And people were amazed. So we got a man, in a, jail, or a man in a prison of chains in a, in a graveyard. We have a man's daughter who was 12 years old who was dying. And we have a lady who was about to give up her life to this disease that she had. And she reached out in faith to Jesus to touch him. Mark 5, 34, this was his response. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, this is important words to look at. Now, go back. And be healed of your disease. What does he say to her first? Go in peace. Here, 
you're seeing the spiritual response of salvation that the peace of the spirit is far more important than the healing of the body. He was much more concerned with her spiritual peace than he was her physical peace. But he was concerned about that too because he healed her. So you have this, this piece here where she went 12 years and was finally healed. He said, go in peace. Next, 12 years of shame and frustration are resolved in a momentary touch of Jesus. So some of you, I'm sure, have seen this before. Francis Chan did this. This rope, we're going to act like it is the infinite part of time. Time continues and continues. If we believe the Bible, we just sang uh, about 10,000 years, did we not? That this time is infinite. And when we've been there 10,000 years, it'll be less than... How's that verse go? Is it, you know the, the old hymn? When we've been there 10,000 years... We've known less days to sing God's grace than when we've first begun. So imagine this is your life. I'm 48 years old. Might be, might be right here. We don't know how long we have here. But 12 years of shame and 12 years of pain meant nothing when she experienced the peace and forgiveness and healing of Jesus Christ. We have to get out of the mentality of focusing on this. Life is short. Life has its things of problems. We have loads of things to go on. But if we only look down and stare at the here and now and don't have a hope of a future, we miss Jesus. We miss why he came. He came so that we could have what? Eternal life. Life everlasting, life abundantly. So my, my thing here is that no matter what's your situation, Jesus did not heal everyone physically. True? But he did heal people spiritually. And I believe that we have uh, people uh, in churches these days who are so focused on being healed from something and their circumstance, on their circumstance, they're so focused on this, they take the value of the relationship of Jesus and the deliverance of Jesus Christ, and they throw it out and say, you're not strong enough because you didn't heal me. And so you focus on these, these verses, and you focus on healing of the body when Jesus is always in tune with the Spirit, the healing of the Spirit. Have you been saved have you, do you have eternal life? Do you have hope in the future? Because if you do, then this time that we have, and I'm just let me tell you, some of you younger folks, I can begin to speak as an older person, some of you be nice to me, that this time now seems far shorter than I ever dreamed it would look. Older folks say amen. When you're young, you know, I remember, I thought 25 was old. 
I remember I met a friend's brother. He was 25. I thought he was going to senior center. <laughs> now I'm 48. 50 seems like the new 20 to me. I mean, and I, you know, just, but it goes so fast. And if our focus is only on our life here and now, is that where it should be? Now we do have a mission and we do have a call. Mark 5, 36 It says, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of synagogue, do not fear, only believe. So they came to him and they were like, she's dead. No bother coming. No bother messing with the rabbi anymore. Let him teach. She's dead. Don't even go there. And Jesus looked. He just stepped aside. He heard that. He said, do not fear, just believe. And he went to the house. And imagine this. He went in the house or he stepped outside and the naysayers were there. Y'all have any naysayers in your group? The naysayers were there, and this is what Jesus did, and I think it's a good principle. I'm not saying that this is what was being taught here, but I think the good principle is the naysayers stayed outside the house, and he brought the family and his disciples in with him to the house where the girl was laying. Said another way, there are probably some people in your life that you need to keep outside, maybe in a pen and on a rope. (laughs) Not really, people. Don't... Because my wife would have me out back sometimes. But Jesus went in there. And this is the, this is the, uh, the picture. The girl is laying there. They thought she was dead. And he reached out and touched her. Said, rise. And she was awake. You have a man who tortured himself in chains, broke through the chains, filled with demons, who was delivered by Jesus Christ, not just physically, but spiritually. You have a woman who suffered for 12 years, who, you know, I'm sure wasn't a perfect person, but who who did things and who lived, and she came to Jesus, probably not even expecting to get anything because she felt so low of herself. She reached out in faith and touched him and was healed. And then you have the, the minuscule faith of Jairus, who came and he said, and he believed Jesus, even if it was a mustard seed thing, and he walked in and he said, I I just trust you. And Jesus, in a picture of salvation, took her and she went from dead to being risen. Can you go back to that that first slide? Just for a second. In all the miracles of Mark 5, physical healing is a parable of spiritual deliverance. If you focus on the healing and don't see the spirit in here and don't see the spiritual side of things, you almost miss the whole story. Jesus came to save the lost. And he did that. He not only healed them, but he healed them spiritually. Now let's continue on. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says this, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, You accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So they're thanking that they heard and believed that it wasn't just the word of man. Do you believe that there is an infinity of time? There is a, that's not the best, infinite amount of time once we die to live under the lordship and rulership of God. 
Does our lives represent that belief? And I'm not here to bust your chops. I think all of us can go at times, nope. You know, this, this is my faith right here compared to all this. Nope, it's not. Nope, I don't get that. But w- there is a thing when we come to him, like the, like the uh, leper did, or the, uh, the man filled with demons, like the woman, like the father, and say, Jesus, will you heal me? He might heal you physically, but more important, his desire is to heal you spiritually. And it says that when we understand that it is the word of God, that's when things work out. John 3.18 Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. He has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. This goes into things that uh, people say they love Jesus, but not um, his followers. I don't think they really like Jesus when he puts a line down and says, this is where I stand. If you believe in him, you're not condemned. If you don't believe him, you're condemned already. So right now, I want to sort of transition. Maybe you're at a place of bondage. Maybe you're in chains. Maybe you've cut yourself physically. Maybe you're in a place so bad that you feel there's a legion of demons working in you. Maybe you feel like there's never been an answer. You've come up a thousand times for healing. You've asked God for healing for something, and he hasn't answered what you want, but maybe you're asking the wrong question. I don't want just a hand of Jesus. I want the heart of Jesus. I want him to change me. John 20, 31 says this, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jairus believed that Jesus could heal his daughter. Uh, The the demon-possessed man believed that he was the Son of God. Uh, The lady believed in him and just reached out to touch him. But there are people filling the pews that would say they believe in Jesus who probably never really had a real relationship with him. I'm going to give you an example. Recently, I heard the testimony of a guy that I know that I have known over 10 years. Well over. And if I were asked a question... Did I believe that this person was a Christian? My answer would have been no. But that wouldn't have been the loving Christian thing to say, right? But in my heart, I just questioned. I just didn't see fruit. I wondered, how how can it be? You say this, but I don't really see it. And it says you will have in your spirit you will know. By your fruit you will know them. And there will be this commonality. And so for years, it's just like I'd see him and it's like, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Very recently, this person sat in a room and shared that for years he sat in a church. He grew up in a church. He, his parents were Christians. He did all the right things. He, you know, he served where he could. He did stuff. And that he actually came to a point where he never knew Jesus as Lord and Savior. And about a year ago, it came as a realization to him. I, I'm not a Christian. And he, despite all the pride of years of saying, I'm a Christian and I'm a believer and I've been doing this and I've done that. 
placed his life at the cross of Jesus Christ, confessed all his sins, and his life was changed. That's a beautiful, that was one of the most precious stories. So sitting from the sidelines and seeing God reaching out to somebody and saving them despite years of doing the right thing in church. I am not God and I am not judge, but I don't want anyone to leave here thinking that your family's faith, your attendance in church, your good deeds, your Sunday school teaching, your um, whatever is enough to save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. The touch of Jesus Christ can and will save you. Have you believed in the name of Jesus? Jesus made it real clear. I came so that you may have life and have it abundant. I came so that I could be Lord of your life, not just a guru that sits up in heaven and gives us good ideas. I came to have lordship over your life. Not not to do a Sunday-only Christianity, not to just do things like I want and just show up or just nod my head and say amen and say prayers like all of us have done in a prayer room when people go around thinking about how you're going to pray, how you're going to look good when it's come your time to pray. No one ever here has ever done that, right? You are good Christians because I am not. I've done that. I've sat and I've wondered and I've thought, how am I going to say the right thing that hasn't already been covered and do this stuff? And, and thing is, time just keeps going. Now, obviously, I'm in an infinity here, but I don't want anyone to get hit. Rusty, can you drop that carefully over the ledge? Well, just might want to call it. Infinity. We say we believe there's an eternity. Do we live like there's one? Do we do what we think is best in our own eyes? Folks, the older I get, the more I recognize my ways don't work. My ways don't work. If you're here this morning, and maybe it's you, You've played the game. You've tried real hard. You've given it your best effort. You've checked the boxes. You've jumped through the hoops. And inside, you know that you've never been touched by Jesus. You know that the old ways, you're still chained like that man who was about the demoniac. He was chained in the cemetery. That is you. You're chained that you've been sick for years, you have a blood issue, and that issue is that you were born a sinner. You were born a sinner, eternally born a sinner, and only Jesus can give you that transaction, that transfusion to give you new life. Maybe the act is over. I hope it is, because I know that despite me, that Jesus can save you. And that's his heart's desire. If 
I got to be careful. I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. I don't ask a soul about when they said the sinner's prayer. I ask them, when have they done things that they don't normally want to do to honor Jesus Christ? Are there hard things that you are doing? Because it's not your way, it's Jesus' way. That's evidence of faith in you. But if you're not even trying in the hard ways, maybe you're like my friend who for years sat in a church, raised his hand, prayed the prayer, came forward, did this time and time and time again, and have never truly been touched by Jesus. My heart here is that when we stand in a moment and when we come and take communion, it's going to be a big thing for you. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but there will be a couple people up here, myself included, that would love to pray with you. We can't save you. We can't change you. We can't do anything, but Jesus can. And you will have a church full of people that will celebrate what God has done as you turn your life over to him. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand as the worship team comes up. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. As you get ready to come forward, I pray that you spend time with Jesus and thank him. Thank him for what he's done in your life. Thank him for touching you. Thank him for saving you. And if you're new to this, if just now you've realized that you've been that person, just come up and share it with someone so we can pray for you and we can just put you uh, with somebody to grow you in discipleship and in love with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love. God, I thank you that you don't only heal physically, but you heal spiritually. God, I thank you that your touch changes eternity for us. Lord, I pray that we would be more kingdom-minded so that this world's difficulties and betrayals will seem less necessary to worry about because you've got it. Lord Jesus, we lay it at your feet this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.